the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Live from Northern California, it's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. Well, a good afternoon to you, and welcome to this Thursday, May 4th, National Day of Prayer edition of Lifeline. Hope you're having a good week so far, and uh, much to talk about on today's program by way of um, prayer for our nation, a sense of being thankful for all of God's mercies, and um, and hopefully some motivation throughout our conversations today that um, we might be more effective not only in terms of how we how we stand up for the truth, how we share our faith, but also how most importantly we engage with God. You know, I was thought it was kind of curious in terms of setting aside a, a national day of prayer. While it's good and important and helpful, I think all believers need to be committed to prayer, not just on one day a week, like some that go to church only on Christmas or Easter, but that it should be a part of our daily lives. You've heard perhaps the um, the phrase or the saying, prayer is the key and faith unlocks the door. Maybe more aptly put, prayer is the key and praise unlocks the door. We're going to delve into aspects about what prayer isn't, what it is, and um, why God calls us to it in the first place. Joining me is the author of a book called Prayers to Strengthen Your Soul, 365 Daily Prayers, and uh, we're delighted to have with us a writing coach and speaker, Karen Moore. Karen, welcome. Good to have you with us today. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. You know, we think about prayer, and I, I know that this really varies from individual to individual, although maybe there is some commonality in the sense that um, we all perhaps from time to time struggle with praying regularly. Either we feel as if we don't have the time, maybe we feel as if God is not being responsive in the fashion in which we would desire. Uh, maybe we feel inadequate uh, to pray, feel as if the, the Lord's not going to hear our prayer because there's failure in our life. And yet all of these excuses really stand in the way of, of not only being able to have that communion with God, but but I suppose so that you know if you if you if you don't ask, don't seek, and don't knock, why should we be surprised if the door is never opened? With that as kind of the, the foundation for our conversation, let's talk a bit about just the the sense that oftentimes we struggle to even find the words or the time to pray. You know, I think that part of the reason that I did this book, um, Prayers to Strengthen Your Soul, is because I feel like we as a nation, as a, as individuals, sometimes grow weak and we don't realize why. We don't understand that our weakness is because we've stepped aside from our relationship perhaps with God. We've 
we've been doing other things and so i think that prayer is god's gift to us it's it's such a precious thing it's our oxygen <laughs> it helps us to breathe it helps us to breathe in his spirit and his life and so um i think there couldn't be a greater gift than that and so when we lose when we lose sight of that when we lose sight of why or how to pray i think the best thing we can do is just start right out with god himself and say, God, you know, I need to just talk to you directly. I just need to talk to you today. And I need to reestablish my connection to you. I need to feel your presence. And I think that'll help. You know, what What struck me at first, Karen, by the book title is, and I, I'll be a bit uh, tongue-in-cheek with this, but I think you'll understand what I'm saying when I say that the title of your book is not Prayers to Get God to Do What You Want. <laughs> which I think oftentimes is kind of the spirit that there is the sense, uh, you know, in our mindset that God is some sort of a cosmic bellhop just waiting at our beck and call for us to uh, utter demands and uh, he is there to to respond. And so kind of peel back the layers of the onion for us, if you would. Um, if not a book entitled Prayers to Get God to Do What You Want, why the title <laughs> Prayers to Strengthen Your Soul? I think there's a, there's a significance behind that. You know, I think that your soul does a happy dance every time you get a little closer to God. When it when it when it feels like you're you're getting it, you're understanding that God is important in your life, and that you need to be connected to Him. And one of the ways that I try to help people with uh, with how to pray, let's say, is I use an acronym P R A Y, and I and so let's just in this question, let's just start with the P, which is pause which is stop the world, stop the noise, stop everything else, don't do the laundry, just let all that go and just simply think about who God is. You know, I, I think we pray sometimes almost um, automatically or like we learn these prayers in church or we learn them as a kid and sometimes we forget to simply stop and think about who God is. We're talking to the creator of the universe. We're talking to the only one who can ever do anything about the, the needs that we have. So that alone should set us in praise motion. It should set us in, you know, awe, and it should bring us to a place of humility. And that's what I think the first step for our connection with God is all about. Just stop and think about him and then stop and think about you because god loves you right he made this way for you to be able to get to him to talk to him and he wants you to pray he wants you to talk to him and he wants you to listen to him so the p is pause and i think that's where we start Boy, it's so important because oftentimes we get so hurried and we kind of suggested this um, at the onset of our conversation that, that we allow the distractions of life to get in the way. And before you know it, prayer becomes kind of a, an afterthought uh, if we get to it at all or uh, something I know I've on occasion been guilty of. And that is the final thing is you lay your head down and before you know it, you've fallen asleep halfway through. And, uh, you know, if, if we did that yeah. to the boss or our spouse, 
spouse or a friend. Um, well, if we did it to our spouse, we might, we might get a little bit of a, a kick in the side for it, and deservedly so. Uh, you know, God wants us to be engaged with Him, and I, I think that setting greater priority when you talk about our relationship with God, most naturally, He wants it to be our number one our first priority relationship. And though sadly for a lot of believers, that's not true. That's right. and But you know what? The more we practice it, and maybe it seems funny to say practice prayer, but I think the more we do it, the more we practice it, the more we spend time in it, the more we don't want to miss it. <laughs> the more we're, we're the more we're unwilling to give it up. You know, we we know that it's important and we recognize what God does for us and that's where my R comes in, which is remember and remembering what God does. And you know, sometimes when we're having everything's in a mess and we don't know what direction to go and we don't know what to do, you know, then sometimes we all we do is worry, right? We forget that uh, God actually showed up for us before. So if we could just stop and remember that he showed up for us in the past, it might help us to settle down and trust and believe that he will absolutely show up for us again. And so I like that idea. You know, I like to think about who God is, and then I like to remember, you know what, the last time I had difficulties maybe it didn't come out exactly as i thought it would but when i look back on it wow i can see i can see god's hand at work i think that also so. sort of orders our 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 mindset in that when we remember it's an opportunity to not just pray a prayer of demands, so to speak, as, as I suggested earlier, but also to pray a prayer of thanksgiving. You know, the Bible reminds us that the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Effective and fervent. And of course, part of that effectiveness, I think, is giving thanks in all things. And so that notion of remembering all that he's done for us, and as we often will go to God when we're facing the next big trial or tribulation in life, to be mindful of all of the times in the past when he has answered prayer and bailed us out. And I know certainly for me, that's a long list. And, you know, I think it's one of the reasons that God is is often in the Bible telling his followers, keep telling my stories, you know. In Deuteronomy, it says, you know, tell your children when you walk down the street, when you get up in the morning, when, you know, tie, tie thoughts of me on your hands and your head. And I mean, anything it takes, whatever it takes for you to remember, do it. Because it's important for you to, to, to not let the world intrude so much that you forget that God is still reigning and he's still there and he still wants to hear from you. So to me, that's just so important. And the A of my little P-R-A-Y is ask. And at this point when we're asking, it seems to me once we've focused on who God is and we've remembered all he's done, we can do nothing more than ask in humility. To ask with a soft heart, to ask with a heart aligned to God. Because we want to let him know that, you know, we care. We care about him and, and we care about the people we're praying for or the, the whatever it is we have on our hearts. And so I, I think then we've set ourselves up 
and we can ask and God I believe God leans in and he listens and he does the best for us because he wants all things to come together for our good when we love him and so then I think the why is just yield and oh my goodness that's like the hardest thing because nobody wants to surrender right (laughs) nobody wants to give in and say God you know you be God and I mean you're God and I'm not I, I need to just acknowledge that i need to let go of trying to fix this trying to decide what should happen and i just need to let you help me with this it's amazing how oftentimes we'll go to god in fervent prayer trying to get uh, you know resolution to a problem and as we're praying we're already calculating in our mind what the answer is going to be or what the next steps are going to be instead of just being still being quiet waiting listening and I think open to also listen for the answer, which may not always be the answer that we expect or want. I mean, I've often heard said that, you know, when God answers prayer, sometimes the answer is yes, and other times the answer is no. Depending, of course, a lot upon uh, our heart, our attitude, how in lying with Scripture our request is, and... Um, And also understanding that in that yielding, as you suggest, Karen, that oftentimes we need to yield to his knowledge, his understanding, and not just our own, because God's got an eye on the significantly bigger picture than we do. Karen Moore with us today, a look at prayers to strengthen your soul, 35 daily prayers. We thought, what a wonderfully appropriate topic for today being the National Day of Prayer. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Speaking today with Karen Moore, author of Prayers to Strengthen Your Soul, 365 Daily Prayers, released, by the way, by Broad Street Publishers. You can find it on Amazon.com. Also, more information available on Karen's website at Karen Moore, M-O-O-R-E, Karen Moore Author. Com. Karen, one of the things that you talk about in the book, and I, I think it's important that we emphasize this, so we, we've discussed the matter of prayer with a sense of humility, prayer with a sense of thanksgiving, prayer with a sense of yielding. But another issue, too, I think that's important is prayer with a sense of seeking and extending forgiveness. Talk a bit about that. You know, one of the things that happens to any of us is that forgiveness can stop us in our tracks or lack of forgiveness. So if we aren't able to be forgiving, then what happens? We end up bottled up and we end up having struggles with that. And, you know, Jesus said in the prayer that he taught us to pray, you know, forgive me as I forgive others, you know. Well, if I don't learn to be forgiving, it's going to be hard for God to forgive me all the things that I need to be forgiven for. And and I think that one of the things that it's helpful to remember is that most of us would have to just say out loud that there's a lot of things we need to be forgiven for. Um, And so if we're willing to acknowledge that and understand that God does forgive us and that that forgiveness comes when our hearts are changed, when we want more than anything to be more like God and and to be more on the, the kind of person that he designed us to be then I think that's where a forgiving heart just opens all kinds of doors. 
Another issue that you address, and I think, boy, particularly in this day and an age where we just seem to see the uh, enemy running rampant all around us, and that is to pray with a sense of understanding that we are ultimately engaged in spiritual warfare, or at least we ought to be, you know, not, not, not the, the, the fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers in high places. How important is it for us to be mindful of that sense of spiritual warfare, that the enemy of our soul is, as John 10.10 10 says, is like the roaring lions roaming about seeking whom he may devour? I think that we have to keep constant in asking God to bathe us in the blood of Christ, to keep us um, aware of the enemy, to keep us away from temptation, to guard our hearts and minds. Um, you know, because there's so many things that try to tempt us away. I, You know, this this whole social media world we live in fills up our heads with lots and lots of things and you know, it might disguise itself in some form or other as some kind of truth, but we don't want some kind of truth. We want the truth, and we want the help that only God really can give us. So, yes, we need to pray protection around our loved ones, and we need to ask God to watch over our, our hearts in the things that we say and do. One other important point, and this this may be slightly repetitive in our conversation tonight, but I, I think it's important to to emphasize, and that is that as much as we see prayer oftentimes as beseeching God, um, prayer really, as God intended it, is is a means of two way communication. But so often people will say, "Well, I pray, but it seems as if my prayers don't go beyond the ceiling." How do we go about? creating the kind of, of not only mindset but environment, so to speak, that allows us to hear from God. That while it may not be the thundering loud voice shaking the, the rafters of the house necessarily, but 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 still to be able to have that that two way communication, that communion with God, how do we get into that spirit so that as we pray we're also in a place to be able to listen? You know, when I do my morning devotions, and I'm a everyday kind of morning devotions person, I always start with scripture, right? And so I start with a reading from the New Testament, a reading from the Old Testament, Psalms and Proverbs, and then go from there to praise some scriptures or to read some devotional books or do some things that will put my mind uh, so that I am intent on God. And I'm intent on that communication that we're going to have. You know, and, and I like to try to remember what it is that's special about our relationship. You know, well, here's what's special. This is the, the God of my heart. This is, this is like the love of my life, right? So I'm going to talk about him, and I'm going to praise him, and I'm going to think about him. And all of that helps me then to settle down and give him time to talk to me. You know, I have a friend who wrote a book that he says, you know, we need to, if we're going to talk to God for five minutes, we need to let God talk for four and we talk for one. Yeah. And I think for most of us, we talk too much and we don't stop and listen and truly try in our hearts 
and minds to understand what God wants to say to us. And sometimes he'll say it in a way that our mind understands. Sometimes he'll say it through a scripture we read, through a a devotion we read. But in one way or another, he will communicate. And the more we have that experience, the more we'll come back and do those kinds of prayers. Does that lend us insight, Karen, into what Paul talked about when he referred to praying without ceasing? And I know some people hear that, particularly young believers, and think, what, what, wait a minute. I mean, uh, 24 hours a day, I never get to sleep? Talk to uh, for a moment, if you would, about that, that overall attitude and what it means that we have to be, you know... Uh, Prayed up, you know, I prepared. Think, yeah, <laughs> I think that verse in some translation says, "Be const." You know, Paul says, "Be constant in prayer, and be intense in prayer, and be unselfish in prayer." And praying without ceasing is actually possible in one sense, because as you begin those prayers during the morning, during your devotional time, then and reflect on them off and on during the day and and maybe maybe you send up some other prayers about that those topics or maybe you look out at the world and you just send out a prayer for God's people everywhere but i don't think that there's any limit you know one of the things that i think we are concerned with is well you know can i nag god i mean can i show up too much is he going to get tired of hearing from me or you know um and and then in some way we limit his power in our lives and the power of prayer is just beyond measure. I don't, I don't think we even understand how big it is. And if we can just allow ourselves to go, you know, I may not have to think about it with my mind, but I can think about it with my heart. I can be driving down the street and pray for somebody that I see on the sidewalk. You know, I, it, it isn't a, a matter of, you know, every moment I have to be thinking, oh, I'm saying a prayer. But your life is a prayer. Your example is a prayer. The Bible helps you with your prayer. Psalms will help you with your prayers. Some wonderful insights on the grander topic of prayer. The book, again, called Prayers to Strengthen Your Soul, 365 Daily Prayers, newly published by Broad Street, available at Christian bookstores throughout the Bay Area, Amazon.com, and through Karen's website, Karen Moore, M-O-O-R-E, Karen Moore Author. Karen, thanks so much for your time today. God bless you. We, We appreciate you sharing some of these vital insights with us today. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. North Carolina lawmakers are working to pass a 12-week abortion ban. Um, Today, the Republican-controlled state legislature approved those restrictions that would ban the procedure after 12 weeks with very few exceptions. The bill is headed next to the desk of Democratic Governor Roy Cooper, who has called the bill, quote, awful and unreasonable promising to veto the measure. He says, quote, the restrictions will shut down clinics and make abortion completely unavailable to any women at any time, causing depression, desperation, and death, close quote. Wow. It's a ban for after 12 weeks, and yet the governor says it's going to shut down abortion completely. Mm, Not quite the case. And of course, the irony is this kind of language is increasingly being used in the wake of the Supreme Court 
decision vacating the 1973 Roe v. Wade decision. Uh, hyperbole, half-truths, misinformation seems to now be attending up to and including the notion that um, we need to have strong controls on um, so-called pro-life or crisis pregnancy clinics because they're not actually telling all of the options. <laughs> Let's get more on this bit of flim-flam. Karen Roseberry joins us, the California Pro-Life Council spokesperson. Karen, thank you so much for being with us. This example here is just one of, of what seems to be just uh, tons of examples where an awful lot of, well, quite frankly, fear-mongering seems to be going on out there. Give us some insights as to what they're trying to do. Absolutely. Thank you, Craig. It's great to be on with you. And you're entirely correct about this being fear-mongering. That's a really good bill that you're referencing in terms of the 12-week restriction. And I have to throw out that, ironically, I'm practically certain Finland has has a 12-week restriction on abortion, and yet they're oftentimes touted as the example of, you know, the pro-choice mantra that, you know, the United States should be. Yet, Again and again, the United States is seen as being radically and grossly out of step with the mainstream opinions in the fact that life should be protected in the womb. And these these actions and these this rhetoric and this extremely divisive partisan rhetoric meant to incite um, and consistently refer to what what most Americans would refer to to a, a common sense restriction, and again, it, that, that's that's difficult because there are so many of us that do recognize that the truth and the accuracy that that life is precious from from every moment of conception onward. But as we seek to legislate something, and we and we come to a place that, that is going to be messy and going to require compromise, especially after. 49 years of of a decision that has now been repealed. Coming to places like a 12-week restriction that that North Carolina wants is a step towards that compromise that I think our nation desperately needs to seek. And when we see the rabidness by the left and by Planned Parenthood to not even hold a conversation about when is it appropriate to restrict an abortion, that is a very telling place for where their position rests and the fact that they really do not value human life whatsoever. And nor do they recognize the fact that with each progressive week in a pregnancy, ending that pregnancy is more and more dangerous to the woman herself in carrying that that pregnancy or as it advances and she may end it, the danger to her as she's farther along. So these types of restrictions really are actually going to protect women as well, and yet they are spinning it in a categorical, exactly like you described, fear-mongering falsehood. Well, and I think what's particularly disingenuous about this, I mean, listen, uh, organizations like Planned Parenthood for decades, um, any time a woman went in, was essentially told that there was a one pathway, and that was the extent of it. And, um, you know, infamously here in California, they've tried to pass a measure that while completely protecting Planned Parenthood of their behavior would have forced pro-life clinics or crisis pregnancy clinics to essentially advertise 
about abortions, mm-hmm. as if somehow a woman going in that's that's battling with an unplanned pregnancy, there's a lot of emotion, emotions running high, concerns over will the family, will the father be supportive or not? Will they lose their job, their school career, be kicked out of the house? All of these questions swirling about, and, and to then somehow suggest that giving a woman the totality of the options available to her uh, is is somehow inappropriate and in that you have to make sure that first and foremost abortion is always the first option of course the fact that the abortion industry has historically been a multi-billion dollar industry mm. clearly money has nothing to do with it wink wink nod <laughs> nod but right. at the end of the day that just the overall disingenuousness of this approach I mean I would think that that anybody who is truly pro-choice would want women to be able to make a fully informed decision. Now, you know, setting issues related to the value of life aside, at the very least, don't we want to make sure that women have all of the facts placed in front of them? Oh, precisely. And and you're exactly right with on your wink, wink, nod, nod. It, it is a bottom line fiscal issue that has Planned Parenthood attacking pregnancy centers because they don't want women getting all of the information and reducing the number of visits they may see because they make money off of women in their most distressed and dire circumstances in a place that women don't want to find themselves being and they prey financially upon them during this most difficult time of their life. And then they have the audacity to cast dispersions at centers that don't make a dime off of these women. They provide their services almost entirely for free. They give free pregnancy tests and ultrasounds and just a listening ear and a place that women can go so that they can get all of their options, so that they can get all of the information, so they can have an informed consent and decision-making process as they're considering perhaps alternative choices. Because if you're, again, exactly right, if the notion is being pro-choice, there are, is definitely more than one choice when a woman finds herself even in an unplanned pregnancy and getting accurate information as she's navigating a, a, a landscape that is treacherous at that time should not be one that is being financially motivated by a organization seeking to profit off of her in her most desperate of times. Yeah, and uh, again, just the just the, the way in which they, they, they really show their hand in not truly being pro- pro-choice at all um, uh, is, is pretty astonishing. Karen Roseberry, California Pro-Life Council spokesperson. More information available on the web at Cal- CaliforniaProLife.org. That's CaliforniaProLife.org. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. We are reminded that prayer is the key and faith unlocks the door. That wonderful hymn of the 1970s, wasn't it? Um, Trying to think who sang that. I can picture him right now. Roger, it'll come to me. It's a sign of old age. Roger something or other. Prayer is the key to heaven. 
Sometimes you won't get a little overwhelmed, though, especially if you have a reputation for being a bit of a prayer warrior and you enjoy communing with God. And yet, boy, how do you do it? I, I don't mean how do you pray. What I mean is, how can you have a sense? When you say to somebody, for example, I'll be praying for you, are you good on the follow-through? Are you able to keep track of the execution on that? I know I, I have to make a list. If I don't make a list, inevitably, and I try to do it strictly from top of mind, uh, you run into somebody and they say, gee, uh, my son-in-law is dealing with cancer. Oh, I'll be sure and pray. I'll add them to my prayer list. And then a day or two goes by and you forget about it. And then six weeks later, you run into them somewhere at the grocery store and they say, gee, my son-in-law is doing much better. Thank you for praying. And you go, oh, my goodness, I had completely forgotten. Sometimes it can be overwhelming. And yet, is there a practical way in which you can pray for friends, family, community? Well, my next guest says, absolutely, yes. Simply learn to pray A to Z, a practical guide to pray for your community. Amelia Rhodes joins us. And Amelia, what a brilliant book. Uh, when I first saw this come across my desk, I thought, oh, another book on how to pray. Well, there's plenty of those out there. But then I started thumbing through and went, oh, wait a minute. This is a whole new idea. Thank you. Yeah, that um, that's kind of how I felt. We don't need another book on how to pray. We need a, something that will actually help us to pray because I'm much like you described. That has been my struggle, too, saying I would pray for people and then weeks later realizing, wow, I only prayed once, maybe twice, and just feeling this conviction that I needed to follow through and be faithful long term. And, and as we talk about uh, lending the sense of, of organization, I, I know some people might shudder a little bit and think, oh, my goodness, I have to get an Excel, Excel spreadsheet going now. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> i got to go buy a laptop so I have it handy. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I know that I need simple things that help me. And that's how Pray A to Z started for me was just out of my own prayer life, feeling very overwhelmed and convicted of, you know, running into people later and remembering, oh, I, I said I was going to pray long term. And uh, so I just came up with this very simple way. And it started out, you know, note cards, three by five cards, and it grew into a book. I never would have dreamt I would write a book on prayer because I felt like I was the least qualified person to do that. <laughs> As you've approached this, you're, you're taking it very um, topical in a sense. And I guess it's true that people tend to, at least my life experiences, tend to fit in, you know, not, not, not neat, clean pigeonholes. But it tends to be, for example, there's a couple of people on my prayer list right now that are dealing with cancer. Mm -hmm. So they're in the cancer category. Mm -hmm. And then it seems perennially there is somebody that I know that's got a son or a daughter or a grandson or a grandchild that's kind of wandered away from the Lord and, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, maybe they've had a run-in with the law and things of that sort. So it seems as if um, the older we get, the health concerns, of course, tend to pile up. But it seems as if there are certain perennial categories that, that, that tend to be kind of repetitive. The names may change, but the needs are kind of the same. Does that make sense? It does, yeah. And that's how it started for me. It was after taking several phone calls and emails from friends all in one day. Big, heavy requests, adoptions that weren't going well, cancer diagnosis, um, a marriage that was falling apart. 
when I realized, you know, this is heavy and overwhelming, and I asked God to help me be more faithful in my prayer life, and that was what I, the conclusion I came to, that so many people are struggling with the same types of things. What if I were to pray by category and maybe take one or two per day? And so that's how A became adoptions, and B became bullying, and then we expanded doing several topics per letter. And I found it, um, I kept the topics broad enough so that, yes, under cancer, you will remember your friends, their family members, their caregivers, their hospital staff caring for them, really just very broadly covering all of those struggling with the various topic. And uh, let's see, 26 letters in the alphabet that kind of takes us through um, A to Z literally over the course of a month. Right, right. And I ended up starting with one topic per letter, and then I ended up expanding it to five. So there are 150 different prayers and topics in the book, and um, two for each letter are actually prayers of praise. Yeah, I noticed that. And and was it intentional that you included that in there? Because, you know, so often we think about, uh, you know, the, the scripture talks about going and bringing to the Lord our prayers and supplications. And it tends to usually be a laundry list of Heavenly Father, I need, right. so-and-so needs, the other one needs. And it's, it's typically uh, all very one-way communication in that sense. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we could almost, uh, if, if, if heaven had an email address, we would, we would do that and just say, you know, dear God, here's my list. Uh, get right. back to me when it, when you've answered all those requests. Right. You're, you're, you're suggesting a dynamic here that that really helps to not only give us a better sense of discipline about our prayer, but also helps to enrich our relationship with God. Absolutely, because as I prayed, you know, and I was we're looking at you know very heavy topics that we're all facing in our communities. We've mentioned cancer, but then like praying for the homeless and those who are serving them, um, zero prejudice, uh, our lawmakers, all of those big things happening in our communities. It can be very heavy, and I found myself, even in prayer, just feeling just this darkness and feeling overwhelmed. But when I began to praise God and recognizing who it is that I'm talking to, it really lightens the load because we remember that every need we have is met in who He is. And it was very exciting as I wrote it. So, for example, like C was cancer and caregivers and then praising God that he's the comforter. How very often, you know, these prayers of praise match up with the needs and recognizing, yes, we have these hard and heavy things. But remember, he's almighty. He's the comforter. He's our helper. There's also another dynamic to this that fascinates me, and I and I think it's one, you know, a, a, some people that kind of approach prayer casually uh, do it. They know they need to do it. They have a sense that it moves the hand of God, so they're obedient in that fashion. But there's lacking any sense of organization. It's easy to rack up the list of all the prayer needs mm-hmm. and then forget about the times, and they are frequent, when God answers prayer. And I'm wondering if in this fashion, in in giving a greater sense of organization to uh, how you pray and remembering to, to remember all the needs that are brought forward, is it also a tool in helping you keep track of, wow, when God answers prayer, let's make note of that too and right. also give thanks to the Lord in acknowledging the fact that here's another case where he's answered prayer. Absolutely. With with each topic, I started out with a scripture because I, I really believe in starting with God's word. What does God say about this topic and this particular particular issue. And then in the prayer prompt, just a couple sentences, you know, remembering all of the people who are going through this. And then many times I prompted people, you know, think about the times where God has moved in your life in this area and give thanks for that. And then through the prayers, um, 
to not only think about the current situations, but situations in past, praising God for his faithfulness and how he has worked in these areas. And I think a lot of that helps to to uh, not only give us a greater sense of discipline when it comes to our prayer, but, but also does a phenomenal job in strengthening our relationship and our faith. Right, and that is my hope through all of this. That, you know, often if we don't know where to go or we feel like we're just you know in a rut with the same things over and over, that it will it will expand our love for God and our love for our community, and that we will begin to experience this deepening relationship with Him as we begin to talk to Him intentionally and purposely, you know, every day. I funny. I was just looking at the calendar here and, and made note of the fact that it's December the fourteenth. Exactly a year ago today, I was flat on my back in a hospital being treated for cancer mm. and had suffered something called an ileus. I won't describe it. It's a blockage. Oh. Um, as, as I told my nurse, uh, it'll be about three hours from now, exactly a year ago. Uh, you need to either give me some pain medication or bring me a gun. Mm. Horrifically painful experience. Right. And as we're talking, and I'm thinking back exactly a calendar year later, at the repeated answers to prayer, including on the day of the most painful day of my hospitalization, exactly a year ago today, and I think how grateful I am to serve a God who not only hears prayer, but who answers prayer, mm. and to be mindful and reminded of his faithfulness. And I think we do a good job in bringing those prayers and supplications to the Lord, I think, uh, quite often. But um, the discipline to keep track of all the times that he answers prayer, or the miraculous fashion in which he is there with us, sometimes oh, yeah. we kind of give mental assent to that. But I think actually writing it down and saying, well, we prayed for Uncle Charlie starting on this date, and X number of days, weeks, whatever later, here's the date when God answered the prayer. This can be a wonderful resource to the book is simply called Pray A to Z, A Practical Guide to Pray for Your Community. That's Pray A to Z and uh, newly published by a Worthy Inspired. You'll find it at bookstores throughout the Bay Area, also through the uh, usual suspects like Amazon.com. Uh, it's a good read and uh, gives you some great tips. Our thanks to Amelia Rhodes, author of Pray A to Z, A Practical Guide to Pray for Your Community. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.